Good morning. My name is Shaylin, and you've met my daughter Dana earlier. Our scripture reading today is from John 16, 16, 24. Let us stand for the reading of God, God's word. Jesus continued, In a little while you will no longer see me. Then after a little while you will see me. After they heard this, some of his disciples spoke to one another. They said, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will no longer see me? Then after a little while you will see me? And what does he mean by saying, I am going to the Father? They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about these things, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant? Didn't you understand when I said, In a little while you will no longer see me, then after a little while you will see me? What I'm about to tell you is true. You will weep and mourn while the world is full of joy. You will be sad, but your sadness will turn into joy. A woman giving birth to a baby has pain. That's because her hour to give birth has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the pain. She forgets because she is so happy that a baby has been born into the world. That's the way it is with you. Now it's your time to be sad, but I will see you again, and then you will be full of joy, and no one will take away your joy. When that day comes, you will no longer ask me for anything. What I'm about to tell you is true. My Father will give you anything you ask for in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive what you ask for. Then your joy will be complete. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we're talking about joy today. Everybody in the world appreciates a message about joy, don't you think? We live in a country where we protect pursuit of happiness, and yet, as I've been thinking about it, the the Bible says that joy, the way we're going to talk about it, is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm just telling you, when I read about joy in the Bible, there's something different about it from the way that the world usually talks about joy. Have have you noticed that? If you didn't notice, you weren't listening to Shailen and Dana reading, because the illustration that Jesus uses of Christian joy is the example of a, of a woman going through labor pain. Now, I know that a huge percentage of us here in church today have never personally experienced that, including me, in case you're, you're just, just wondering. Now, I am convinced that all of us can understand what Jesus is getting at. I mean, in this text, he had just told the disciples, I'm going to be leaving, and they didn't want him to leave. And he was going to go through suffering himself. And yet he is saying that even though they're going to experience that pain, that that when we believe in God, we know that God even uses pain to bring about something better so that we have joy in the midst of all that suffering and pain and loss. And so he uses this illustration, and I'll read again to you, verses 21 and 22 of John 16. Jesus said, it's like this, the joy is like this. A woman giving birth to a baby has pain. That's because her hour, and when Jesus uses this phrase, the hour, he's always referring 
to the time of his own death. And here he says it's like a death you feel. That's because her hour to give birth has come. But when the baby is born, she forgets the pain. She forgets it because she's so happy that a baby has been born into the world. That's the way it is with you. Now again, I've never given birth to a child, but I was present at the birth of each one of, of, of our children. And so Chris and I were talking about this labor pain thing this past week, and especially that very first one when our first child, Heather, was born. I tell you, Chris made sure I was at all the Lamaze classes, and I was there. And I felt like I had this whole thing <clears throat> about what a father does. I had it nailed. I, I, I was ready for it. And yet, and for all of you who are teachers, I think we have to learn this. Uh, there is a big difference between classroom learning and the real experience. So we got into the hospital when we knew the time was coming. And... Um, Chris was going through one of those first big labor pains, so I thought I'm going to be an empathetic father, and I leaned over really close to her, uh, too close, too close, and, and, and Chris, you remember, you put your arm around me, but then, unfortunately, the pain started coming, and she had me in this neck hold, <clears throat> and as the pain got greater, it got tighter, and somehow, these, these labor pains give you superhuman strength. So I, I was sitting there, I could hardly do anything, and I remember the Lamaze classes say, breathe, deeply breathe. <laughs> but all I could say is, I'm dying, I can't, I can't breathe myself. We remembered that, we remember that. It was just a little bit later um, when a, another really powerful pain came, and it was just after the doctor and the nurse had left the room. And when it, it came, Chris started saying, everybody's gone everybody's left me I'm all alone here and I, and I said no 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 I'm here with you and she said but you don't know anything <laughs> now I'm just going to tell you this when Jesus says that, that Christian joy is like that I say I have a lot to learn here I, I, want, I want to listen to what he has to say and it is interesting that years later we look back and don't remember the pain and the stories even bring us great joy. So today we're going to try to, to in just a few moments that we have before we go over to the celebration, to think about this. I want us to start by thinking about what joy is. I mean, joy that wherever you encounter it. And, and, and the thing I want you to see is the joy is one of those emotions that always comes from something else happening. Oh, I mean, we can go out and try to say, I'm going to be happy and joy-filled today and smile and try to... But that's not the kind of lasting joy that we're after because joy doesn't really work that way. I mean, everybody wants to experience joy, but it usually happens when there's something that you and I have really been longing for, you know, working toward, wondering if it would ever happen, and then when it happens, ah, oh, doesn't it feel good? The joy just comes right into our hearts and in, into our souls, or sometimes it's unexpected when there's something that is so beautiful, a sunset, and we have so many of those here in Southern California, or, or a great piece of music, John, whenever that happens, you hear it, and inside of you there's just such a joy, and so I've written down this definition for you in, in beginning. Joy, I think, is the intense, because it is that, and sometimes spontaneous, emotional response of great gladness and delight. 
And it comes when you've received or achieved something that you have deeply desired. Or it comes when you have experienced something that's just wonderful. So I was reading through the Bible and taking out that word joy and looking at all these times when it says people experience joy and it always came when marvelous, marvelous things happened. I had such a list, I can't read them all to you. But a couple of things, the Song of Solomon, you can imagine that it says that it comes sometimes from experiencing sexual love. And often in the Bible, it, it says that sometimes when you've been waiting and wanting to get married for a long time, that wedding celebration... And it still is in every culture that celebration day is a time of great joy. That certainly was true in Cana when, when Jesus turned the water into wine, but it was also true in the Old Testament uh, in places like Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, it comes sometimes when soldiers have been out fighting and feeling like what they're fighting for is worth fighting for, but, but they don't want to keep doing this. And eventually the battle is over and they have won it and they're able to go back home. And the expression and the word that describes their emotion is joy in places like Isaiah 9.3. I mean, even those of you who have been involved in sports, you know that sometimes when you've worked and trained so hard and then you're able to do it and, and you win, isn't there just almost a euphoria that comes? So, so I, I thought this too. So if, if joy comes from experience, something that you have waited for a long time and hoped for, then wouldn't you expect that there would be some joy when the long-awaited Savior of the world, you know, for centuries waiting for the Messiah to come, when, when he's born? Would, wouldn't you expect the Bible would say there was joy? Anybody think so? I'm just wondering if you're like awake here. And, and it does. That's, that's exactly the, 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 the emotion that the Bible keeps describing so that the old man Zechariah, when he heard that his son, who was going to be born, was going to be the forerunner of the long-awaited Savior, it says that he just had great joy. When the young, young woman Mary was, was told amazingly that she was going to be the one through whom the Savior was going to be born, her Savior would be born through her, she would say, and it says that she was filled with joy. When those shepherds, who were not very much respected by the world around them, had a visit from God's angels. I mean, God knew them. And he says, listen to you, great news is coming. And it says that they were just overwhelmed with joy. And the same thing happened with the Magi. We know all these stories, but it says they were overwhelmed with joy when they, when they saw this child. So I'll tell you, when you experience joy or happiness, it's, it's usually not been, I'm going to go out and try to find some joy or happiness today. It's almost always when something you really long for happens or when something that's just so beautiful comes and, and you experience it. Now, that brings me back to this matter of the joy as a part of the fruit of God's Spirit. What is different about joy that the Spirit of God brings about in our lives? Because I, I hope you see from the way I've talked about it that Christians and non-Christians alike can experience joy. You know that. It's a part of the way God has built you and me. That he, he gives us longings and, and whenever the gifts are provided that fill those longings, you don't have to be a Christian to experience joy. And yet, when you read so much, and especially about the word that's related to joy, happiness, there's so much written about happiness. Um, when you read the way our culture writes about it, it's just different. Because it doesn't seem to be very lasting. And in particular, 
the joy and happiness that our culture writes about doesn't seem to survive through pain and suffering and loss very well. I'm not the only one who says this. Uh, a few years ago, author Amy Bloom, I don't know if Amy Bloom is a Christian, but she, she does a lot of research, writes some wonderful things. She wrote what I think, think is an incredibly insightful article called The Rap on Happiness. And uh, Bloom, and the first time I saw this was in the New York Times, and, and Bloom's main argument, she said that the happiness that everybody talks about in this world is transient. That's the word that she uses, it's transient. And she'd done a great deal of research about this, and she made note of the same point I tried to make to you. It's what, really what made me start thinking about this, that, that joy and happiness comes from us experiencing something else. So we have a longing that's fulfilled, she said. But, she said, Number one, often when that thing we've wanted to have comes, it doesn't give us quite as, as, as much joy as we had anticipated. And so, so it makes us think, we, maybe I need more of that. And, and number two, she says that even if it does provide some joy for a while, it just doesn't seem to last. That, that thing that we've been longing for to bring us joy, it, it grows old suddenly become bored with it, out of fashion. You know this is true. You buy yourself a new car, you have great joy, a new boat, you have a great joy. And then five years later, oh, I've got to get a new one. What's happened here? And so Bloom wrote at the end, she said, anything you get joy from in this world cannot last. Now, I, I don't fully agree with her because I, I want to talk to you about one that can last, but I should have learned that her main point is true back when I was a boy. So here's what I thought of. Um, 1964, my family had just moved from Beckley, West Virginia to Bluefield, West Virginia. And, and there was up in the top floor, the room where my brother and I uh, were in, in the top floor, an old radio that the people who lived there before had left there. When I turned it on, amazingly, I found I could tune that big old radio and I could pick up KMOX radio all the way from St. Louis. Isn't that amazing? Some of you engineers have to explain to me how that happened. Um, so I started listening to it and, and, I, and, and they carried all of the St. Louis Cardinals games. So I listened to them and I became a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Now, there were no other St. Louis fans in Bluefield, West Virginia, that I knew of. Why would you be? But I became a big fan. I got to know all the names, baseball fans. I mean, Bill White and Ken Boyer and Kurt Flood, Bob Gibson as a pitcher. I became a huge St. Louis Cardinals uh, fan. And I, I mowed lawns to make money, and I bought a St. Louis Cardinals hat, and I wore it every day to school, and all my friends just made fun of me. Why would you want to be that? But I'm telling you, in 1964, they won the World Series. And I was, I was filled with joy. I was filled with joy. Uh, and and I, I showed them. And I knew that, that the Cardinals would, would win the World Series year after year after year because they're the greatest team in the world. And I went out and I spent my money to buy all the baseball cards and I had all of these things. But in 1965, they fell apart they not only didn't win the World Series, they had a losing season. And do you know who won, you sports fans, who won the World Series in 1965? Listen to this. Do you, do you know the Bible that well? I, I, I... 
Uh, I remember, well, yes, the Dodgers won the, game, won the World Series that year. But I remember thinking how frustrated I was. All of these friends made fun of me and they mocked me. And I remember thinking, never again. Never again will I give my heart to a baseball team. <laughs> I should have worn that when in 1969 I moved to Chicago and become a Cubs fan. But that's another, <laughs> that's another whole story. So here's my question for you today. What do you give your heart to? What is, it, what is that thing or those things that you think, I've got to have that or I cannot really be happy? Uh, is it to, to some sporting team? Uh, you know, some people are so unhappy when their team loses. I found out in our day this fantasy football and fantasy baseball, some, some men and a few, some women too are, are so obsessed by it that they can hardly survive if, they, if they're not winning in that. Sometimes it's to our children. And children are beautiful. Uh, but at the same time, to make them the ultimate things. This, if my kid doesn't get into the best law school our whole family will fall apart. What is it that you long for the most? See, I'm so afraid of this that many of us go to church and say that Jesus is the Lord, the most important thing in my life, that He is the one I trust and He is my joy. If I have Him, then there's joy. But the reality is we even come to church sometimes to get what we really want. Why doesn't God give me that? It's not working for me. And what happens is that thing which was meant for your joy becomes an idol in your life that will always let you down. Are you with me here? Yes. We have to have something more ultimate that we look at. And so I've written this down for you. The main difference as I look at it between the world's joy and Christian joy is the object of our joy. What it is that we long most for. If our ultimate desire is something that's temporary or based on a circumstance, like Amy Bloom wrote about, when that thing is gone or that circumstance deteriorates, then the joy goes away with it. And that's what Jesus is getting at in John chapter 16. He says, listen, Christian joy is the kind of joy that nothing in this world can take away, even suffering and loss and pain. He said that even something as severe as the labor pains that a woman experiences in childbirth Give way to joy because there's something much greater that they look forward to and that God is ready to provide. C.S. Lewis wrote about this perhaps more than anybody. And in fact, uh, his autobiography is entitled Surprised by Joy. Because the greatest surprise is the joy that everybody longs for. He didn't find it here, he found it in God. And, and if you read it through, you'll see, I'll, I'll summarize part of it. As a boy, he experienced some of these kind of joys that all of us have. But he experienced it where most of us haven't. He experienced it in reading Icelandic sagas. Unusual boy. Uh, Dana, do you like Icelandic sagas? I'll have to get you some. He found such joy as he read them. But as he read them, he got every one he could find. And as he read them, he found out that his joy seemed to diminish. And so he thought, well, maybe if I learn it, read them in the original language, that joy I, I love will be there. So he learned Icelandic, what kind of a boy this was, uh, to do that. But he found that still that didn't do it. So he thought, maybe it's something else in this world where I can find joy. And he thought, in friendship. And he found real joy in, in making a friend. And he wanted to spend every moment of every day with this friend until finally the friend said, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and he knew that there had to be something more. There was one time much later when, when he was at Oxford 
that he was with J.R.R. Tolkien. Yes, the author of The Lord of the Rings. And he was talking about this elusive thing called joy. And, and Tolkien, who was a believer at the time, said maybe it is that those things which most people think in this world will bring joy are not the things that themselves will bring lasting joy but point toward something or someone else. And Tolkien said something like this to Lewis. What if those things you enjoy the most are simply gifts from someone else? What if they are simply signposts that point you to their maker? For if those things themselves in this world don't really give you joy, maybe you have been made for another world. Maybe they are pointing you toward the giver of those gifts. Lewis then came to know Christ, you know. And he said, I was surprised that real joy is to be found in God. And if you haven't found it, that's, I'll just tell you, that's where it is found when you can trust him. But then he preached this renowned sermon. It's now been published. It's called The Weight of Glory. I, I, I recommend it to you so, so highly. This is what he said. The things in this world that we think bring joy will betray us if we trust in them. These things are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they will turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. The St. Louis Cardinals. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of the flower we have not found. The echo of a tune we have not heard. News from a country we have never visited. Now, now I hope you see it. This is why Christian and non-Christian alike can have joy and happiness from the things in this world. Because God is the giver of every good gift and He gives them to all of the people that He has created in His image. But they are to point to Him. And if we make those things our deepest and ultimate desires, they will become idols and they will ruin our lives. And when they are gone, the joy is gone as well. That's what Jesus was getting at in John chapter 16. He, he was going to die and his disciples, I mean, you were right, John, they couldn't make a lick of sense out of this. It was painful for them. But he asked them to trust him because he was committed to using anything, even the pain of this world, to bring about the greatest good that his father was going to have him bring about. It was going to be through his pain that they were going to be able to have life, eternal life, so that he would even have joy on that cross because he knew that this pain as excruciating and unimaginable as the pain on the cross was with Jesus bearing the sins of the world, it was for a greater good. He found joy in it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, this profound verse that I quote so often to you. So here's what we have to do in the midst of a hard world. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer. He's the one who did all this to bring about our faith. He is the perfecter, the completer of our faith. He, for the joy set before him, endured a cross. For the joy before him, he scorned its shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The job is done. So I've got to ask you this. What is that joy that Jesus was looking forward to that made the cross something that could not take away his joy? What was it? What was it on that cross that is, as he was bearing the sins of the world, he had a joy because of something 
so beautiful to him, he says it is worth it. It was us. It, it was you. He foresaw the only opportunity for you and me to have forgiveness of our sins and salvation and, and our whole lives remade, who for the joy he scorned the shame and bore the pain because the joy that he found was the joy of our redemption and our rescue. I'm just telling you, the world's joy is nothing like that. It's nothing like that. Now our time is gone, but I, I have to end every one of these messages about the fruit of the Spirit, just thinking about fruit. How does this grow within me? Uh, how can this, this joy that is the work of God's Spirit become more and more a part of, of the way of life that will just show the world that's a genuine Christian? <laughs> because look, something's happened there that doesn't happen naturally. I mean, each week what we're going to be hearing about the fruit of the Spirit is that each aspect of it is so beautiful but that he's the one that has to do the work in us. So if I, I, as last week I told you, for me to get up here and just give you a bunch of rules about how you can be happier is not going to work. I can say just quit complaining less. We'd be happier, but don't whine as much. You can say, although I've got all these rules from the pastor, I'm going to work hard at that and I'll, I'll be more, have more joy. It's just not going to do it because this is not a work of my flesh. It is, it is a fruit of the Spirit. Why? One, because this kind of joy, Christian joy, is not an act of my willpower. I mean, I can make decisions to do things that will make me happy. I go to the beach, that, that always makes me happy. Listening to music, I like that. that, that always brings me some joy. But this lasting joy, I can't produce this in myself. And the other thing is, the Bible keeps saying Christian joy is not natural to us as human beings. It, it is spiritual, it's a fruit of the Spirit. What's natural to us? I'll tell you what's natural to me. Pride is natural to me. Self-pity, that's natural to me. Self-interest. Anger. Doesn't take the work of God's Holy Spirit to produce those things in me, do you think? How about you? But it takes the supernatural work of God's Holy Spirit to produce this beautiful, beautiful thing called joy. So what do I recommend to you as your senior pastor? I've just been reflecting a little bit on my own life, so I'll give you three things at the very end that I'll suggest to you. So that I feel like it's, Jesus says we're like soil in which the good news is planted to be the kind of soil in which this fruit of the Spirit can grow. Let me recommend this one. Let, let joy begin in our weekly worship. Now, I know the word worship is every part of our lives devoted to God, but here I'm talking about what we're doing right now. Uh, coming to church, let it begin with church becoming less about me and more about God and about the people that he has brought into my life. Uh, I want you to come to church each week looking forward to being with your church family and together with us, with our Heavenly Father. So in coming to church, I would like you to prepare to come to church by, by praying something like this. Lord, I'm looking forward to joining my voice in praise to you with my church family, whether they are young or old, rich or poor, whatever the song is. So help me to be ready to exalt you. To, and then when your word is opened, 
I, I want to hear something from you. I need to. And then I just want to rejoice with my church family. You know what I've found to be helpful to me is sometimes reading some psalms before I even come out here. I have this little place where I meet and pray and then I come out here. And one of them I really like is Psalm 63. I put a part of it up here for you. Oh God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you today. Then coming in, I look upon you in this sanctuary as I contemplate your power and your glory. So I will bless you as long as I live. So now, here in our worship together, I lift my hands and I call upon your name. You have been my help. In the midst of the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. Come to church that way and it'll get you ready for the rest of the week. I'm just telling you. Uh, Second thing, I found this to be helpful. I don't know if you will. Make a list of the things that you feel like bring you the most happiness and joy in this world. Uh, There are all sorts of little and great pleasures. Make a list of them. And if he's giving those to you now, thank him for them. Out of gratitude, be really thankful for them. But then make sure that they haven't become idols. Uh, Make sure that the one you find delight in is not the gift but the giver. See what I'm getting at? Uh, so that if, if you don't have those things, you're, all your joy is gone, that's not right. Paul, Paul said, I have learned to be content and really to find joy in, in the book of Philippians. Whether I abound, then he thanks God, thank you, Lord. Or even if I don't have those things, I still have God. So I think it's helpful to list those things that might be competing with God for the affection of your heart. And then finally, and I think I'm going to make this point every week, change the way you start each day. Tomorrow morning, uh, begin with a focus on God's presence. Think about his his love for you. And and when you do, it'll change everything. You need some quiet and undisturbed times. Mothers with young children, I don't know how you'll find it. If you can just find a minute, you might be able to do this. And, And thank God for the gifts and And the many pleasures, every good gift comes from him. Whether they're great or whether they're small. And then you'll have to think about the challenges too, right? What I find is I I say, Lord, I don't understand it. You're wiser than I am, so I'm going to trust you with that one. And maybe it just seems overwhelming. I know that it's not greater than you are. You are God. I'll give that to you too. Tell him you trust him. Find your joy in him. Which brings me to the end of the service. And I'm glad we have Jeff, you stayed with me again this morning. Thank you, brother. Let me tell you, we're just getting ready to celebrate. I didn't know because I had no idea that this was going to be the week we had this celebration. I didn't know we'd come to this theme of joy. Isn't that a perfect theme for us now going out uh, to celebrate? Because we have been waiting for a long time for this building to happen. I thought we were going to get into that building in January. And then we're going to get in before Easter. And then we're going to get in May. And then we were going to get in, what, June. And then we're going to get in in August. <sighs> so, yeah, and then I, I kept finding out it's harder than we thought it was going to be. You saw some of the pictures up there that, to, to do this. And so you have the cost and the time and all that we've been waiting for and longing for. It is happening. We're, we're going to go over and celebrate that that thing we have longed for is at last going to be taking place. And I'm going to be just inside saying, thank you, Lord, and hallelujah. Uh, but the great joy is not just in the building, right? 
I mean, I'm thankful for the building, but you know this. Just like the building that was built 80 plus years ago uh, fell apart, <laughs> someday this one will too. Did you know that? It's going to look beautiful. You think it's, it's going to fall apart too if the Lord tarries. So what it really points to is what's going to happen in that building. The eternal work of God. Drawing people to himself and helping people to grow. Our children who will be a part of that. It's amazing that eternal things can happen in temporary buildings. And that's what we're praying is going to really be happening. I, I, Jeff, I'm not supposed to say all this. You're supposed to say all this. But you see, I was on before you got here. So I'm going to turn it over to Jeff and let you bring us home here.